guys, this is RJ. Welcome to another episode of Death by Stereo. Brent, as and well. TJ. As always, three amigos. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start out the way we always do, with this year in horror. And the year we decided to go with this time is 2011. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, you may hear a couple of crossovers, um, since we counted down our favorite movies from the 2010 era, so... Um, keep listening. You may hear a couple that were on the list. Maybe not. We'll find out. Uh, well, Scream 4 is the first one that I see. Hated it. Yeah. TJ I definitely, <laughs> definitely didn't have it on his top 10 list of the year. Um, I mean, you don't need to say, I guess, any more about that since... Yeah, because I talked about ran it. Ran and raved about it. Uh, there's a lot of sequels I'm seeing here. So, the fifth Final Destination movie. Um, I've never seen any of those movies. So oh, really? No, never oh. seen any of them. They're fun. Isn't Devin Sawa in one of those? The first one. Oh, yeah. nice. How have you not seen any of the? I just. I, I am surprised. Them. Yeah, it seems like something you would have liked. Yeah, no, I just, I just missed them. Um, I think I want to say the first one came out when I was in high school, and I don't know. It was just, I just never managed to catch any of them, and now I just, I never have. Um, it's not that I wouldn't watch them. It's just. The first couple are really good. Are they? The longer they go, they the deaths get more extreme, but yeah. I don't really... It's not like Saw, where it just gets so... Were any of them in 3D? Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that'd be the perfect like 3D type of yeah, horror movie. I can't remember which one, but there is one. I think it's the fourth one. Okay. With like you know like logs and like spikes coming at you, I feel like that'd be perfect mm-hmm. for it. Um, the third Paranormal Activity movie is on here. I like that um, one. I think I like that one. That was with the two little girls, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's like the girl from the first one and her sister when they were kids. Okay, I did. I like that. Um, obviously not as good as the first one, but no, that's my second favorite though. Still one of the ones I enjoyed. Um, there's one on here called Innkeepers, which I don't know if either one of you have seen that. Mm-hmm. You have seen that. Yeah, I think it's um, pretty good. It looks cool. I've always liked uh, the cover of it, like that monster zombie looking face you can see kind of in the yeah, background i definitely think it's uh out of the three of us it'd be up rj's alley more okay um it's like a ghost movie do you own it yeah okay oh, yeah. Cool. I, I thought about bringing it i tossed it around a couple yeah. times because i think rj would appreciate it that'd be something neat to see um you're next you've mentioned tj quite a few times that's one i want you to bring for sure uh i've seen but it'd be a, a mm. fun rewatch as that well that was one of my honorable honorable mentions in our decade list yeah yeah that's one i definitely want you to bring uh sooner than later um the Thing is on here, which that... Is that a remake, or is that, like, the prequel? I'm pretty sure it's a prequel. I haven't seen it. You haven't I've seen, seen it? The, I've only seen the uh, the Thing the Kurt Russell. remake one from the 80s. When did the okay. original one come out? Like, the 50s, I think, or... It's, I, know it's old. I know I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. The, the original one's old. I don't, I've never seen it. I've only seen the one from the 80s, um, which is a remake, and then I think that one is a prequel. Have you seen the remake at all with Kurt Russell? I haven't seen any of them. That's one we had talked about bringing for sure i think one of you and i tj one of us will bring it eventually because yeah. it's I, I really liked it you i mean you let me borrow it a couple years ago and i really enjoyed it so um one movie that you'll actually hear us talk about later is 2011's fright night um so stay tuned and you'll hear uh all three of our thoughts on that, that one's pretty good absentia yeah i think it's i don't know if it's absentia or ab but it's pretty good it's like um yeah, you know the director uh, mike flanagan he's wanted to like Doctor Sleep, and he did Hush, and okay. uh, Gerald's Game. He's kind of been popular on Netflix lately, but that's nice. like one of his first movies, and it's pretty good. It's like lower budget, but it had a pretty interesting storyline. It in looks it. like the cover, like it could be one of those uh, eight films that die yeah, for kind it, of thing. The cover looks kind of like it's a B movie, but it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I'd definitely give it a shot. 
Uh, Shark Knight, I have not seen. Um, have you seen it? Yeah, it's it's stupid fun. It's it? like it's kind of like a Deep Blue Sea kind of, or actually better comparable to Piranha 3D. Okay. Um, but so like, it, they're at a lake house and there's sharks in the lake, and they even make fun of it themselves in the movie. They're like, "How are there sharks in the lake?" and then they address that later, but it's just, it's stupid fun. Yeah. Um, it's one I think I've, I've heard of a few times. I've just never seen it and never, I don't know. There's a lot of shark movies out that I just wasn't too it's, keen Like on I said, yeah, it, it's like, it's like funny. I, I mean, it's probably more horror comedy than like serious. It's not like a Jaws or the Shallows. Yeah. Uh, we've got another entry on the list of the top 10 of the decade. Uh, it was my number 10, Cabin in the Woods is on here. Um, yeah, whatever. That was one I really, I, if I had to bet money, I would have thought you would have loved it. But you know, I liked it up until, like I said yeah. on the podcast, it's just like it's a blend of, you know, it starts off horror and then it just turns into sci-fi. Yeah. And I, I don't. Yeah. Well, and that was still, I mean, that was kind of early on in the process where we were trying to still figure out kind of what your taste was a little bit more too. So, I think we have a little better of an understanding now. But this one, the task, I think that kind of looks cool with like the. Um, the mask of that guy. I don't know what it's about. Me neither. I never heard of it. But him. it looks kind of cool. It almost looks like he's like a voyeur kind of thing, and he has like this cool like clown looking mask on. But I have no idea what it's about. Um, Silent House with Elizabeth Olsen. Have you seen that? No. I've seen it. I don't remember what it was about really. I, I watched it forever ago, like when it first came out, and I remember thinking it was okay. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch I mean, it. Elizabeth Olsen's good in my book. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what it was about at all. Um, Hostel Part Two. I liked that. Yeah, me too. Um, it was a fun little, um, fun little sequel, and I liked the, both. Are there three of them? Maybe yeah, more. Now. I never saw the third one because it was like that's when they got like a new director and all that. Okay. Wouldn't you say that Hostel would be the the start of like the gore, the um, the torture porn? Because I mean, I, I saw one, but like. That I feel like Hostel took it to the next level and kind of I feel like it jump started that torture porn genre. Um, I, I mean I think the first one. I think Saw was I don't want to say the originator because Cube I think was but, but Cube wasn't really gory. No, nah, uh, yeah, I I definitely think that Hostel I guess went a different route with it, whereas like Saw was about the traps and I think with Hostel it was just about like. The gratuitous, yeah, like murder. That's and what gore. I'm saying, yeah. Because yeah. like Hostel was more about like the torture and the gore, but like Saw originally was like more like character based and story based and like. Yeah, I think Hostel was definitely gratuitous violence for the sake yeah. of it, for sure. Whereas, like you're right. I mean, even though the story went a little crazy, Saw definitely at its core was around a central theme and story. I think it became and... more about torture. Yeah. At the Later way. on, yeah. RJ, have you seen any of the Hostel movies? I have not. I think you'd actually like them. If you you like Saul, so I think you would you would enjoy it. I think I own the first two. I'd have to go check. But uh, Chillerama, have you seen that? Chillerama. Yeah, Chillerama. Mm, no, I don't even think I know much about it really. <sighs> I've seen it on Prime. I think it's like an anthology. Um, I want to say it's a bunch of famous horror directors that came together. It's, it's weird because like I've seen it, like you said, on one of the streaming sites, yeah. but. From the cover, I thought it was like an '80s movie. No, I, I didn't realize it was from 2011. I can't remember. I've never, I've never watched it because I've never really had a ton of interest in it. But um, I don't know. I think I've almost thought about it a couple times and just went with different stuff. But that's what I said about your mom. Mm, well, you know, at least just treat her right. Um, <laughs> really random segue, but from the last um, uh, 
con that we went to when we were talking about Elvira. Mm-hmm. It was on Facebook, and I saw, like, something... It was probably from Joe's, but um, it came <clears> up, and she's, like, dressed as a Santa, and she's just doing her little thing and running over by the tree and opening the presents, and I was like, I still just don't get it. Oh, Elvira? I, <clears throat> I mean, she's got huge boobs. I don't... I just don't see, I know, like, just, the even the way she Even the way she talks yeah. is almost condescending. Hmm. That's just the vibe that I get. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like when she's at the conventions because she takes a ton of people for her line, so there's so, so less selfish. people for the rest of us. Uh, it works for me, but... Um, the last one I'll mention is uh, Juan of the Dead. You and I off air have talked about that. Oh yeah, um, I haven't seen it, but yeah, made a horror comedy list. Uh, I definitely, we I think should try it. I, yeah, I think we should. I think it's a Cuban horror movie, which I don't think you see very many of those. Mm-mm. Cuban? Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I want to yeah, give it a shot. Just for reference, what Brent's talking about is we were looking at um, Bloody and Disgusting's top twenty-three horror comedies of the decade, and that movie was on there. Yeah, I had never even heard of it, which. Um, yeah, me neither. I mean, the playoff Shaun of the Dead, like, I feel like it, to make that list, like, I get, it had to be decent, I think, because I feel like mm-hmm. if I had just seen this initially, I would think it's <laughs> oh, just a, a knock shitty, off, yeah. yeah, knock off Shaun of the Dead, and, um, so, I mean, I, mean, I definitely want to give it a chance. Yeah, I mean, Bloody Disgusting's a pretty, I want to say, like, a pretty, uh, what do you want to, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I think they have good credibility, I'd yes, say, that's in the exactly horror. what I was trying to say. Um, because they're a, a published horror magazine. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, other than that, I mean, did you guys see any of the list that you wanted to mention? Um, no. I, I, didn't I think really you see, led that discussion pretty well. I didn't see much. I mean, it was... Wait, go up. Uh, I think there Scroll was, up. I think there was a decent amount of stuff. But... Slow down, slow down. Go down to the next two. Okay, hold on, I'm looking. The right What's, with Anthony what is Hopkins. That? Oh, um, Little Red Riding Hood, it looks like. Oh, never mind. I <laughs> no, thought it looked no. like some... I thought it was a, a different movie. No. Um, I mean, I, I think it was, it was pretty top-heavy this year. I mean... For as good as the decade was, I mean, we do have, what, uh, two movies that made our top ten and an honorable mention, so I feel like that's 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 better than some years, but sure. um, I think we had some some much better years in this decade, as you, know, as you heard last episode. So, uh, yep, that was 2011 in horror. Alright, so next segment, we're going to do our horror in real life. I found a story that's actually local for us. Um... This is actually this happened in Cincinnati, Ohio, oh. and uh, where's that? It's, it's where your like mom lives. <laughs> a few hours northwest of. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyways, um, this this uh, teenage girl. I want to say the area. Yeah, the area is North College Hill. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah, that's actually not very really far from here. By the way, I'm kind of new to the area, so I'm not like familiar with all this uh, different parts of Cincinnati. But Did you go back where you came from. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Um, anyways, so this, she's in high school and she's, she was receiving text messages, um, that said, Hey, your mom told me to come get you from practice tomorrow. I'll be outside in a white van behind the red car. <laughs> that doesn't sound suspicious I'll at be all. there at 530, baby. Oh my God. And then, why are you laughing, man? This is real. <laughs> That's the scary part. I know, but you're laughing like you were probably the guy texting her. <laughs> Where she's like, how'd you know about this? Anyway, so she got that text, and she, like, ran and told her mom about it. And she's like, are you having someone pick me up from basketball practice? And um, the mom was like, no, um, why would I do that? And so they reported it to the police and said, like, you know, we got this weird text, and we're not sure who it's from. Um, uh, and, they, like, the cop said to respond and tell them they got the wrong number and stuff. So they sent the text to that number and said, you have the wrong number. Yeah. And, um... Let me find the actual response that she got. I think it said something along the lines of... 
I'll still be there or something. Mm. Um, At least the person's reliable. But yeah, like, so this person, like, knew what school she went to, like, what time her basketball practice was, and, like, where where to find her and stuff, and, like, was, like, threatening to be there or whatever. Um, That's essentially the story, but, like, I just thought it was, like, horror in real life because it's, like, one of those stalker killer... It almost reminds me of two things. One, of, like, um, the typical thing where like a babysitter's getting a call about somebody like a prank call mm-hmm. and then they trace where it's coming from and coming from the house like right. it kind of sounds like that and i mean something like real and kind of scary is like human trafficking is really big in ohio for some reason yeah like it it's is, like a yeah. major hub in this country it toledo is so like, like the second highest uh human trafficking in the country yeah we, we have absolute gold in toledo we have opal covey we have human trafficking <laughs> we, <don't> <laughs> we have shootings we have it all yeah but yeah, travel so to Toledo. It's an amazing. I did find place. it. He, so they did text him, and he said, um, "They just responded and said they would still be there waiting." <laughs> and uh, the police just told them to like block the number and stuff. But I don't know. It's just freaking scary. Like, well, it is because I've seen um, things here like, on social media lately, and it's like, uh, I guess human traffic girls will text uh, like people's phones, and they'll just want any kind of reply. And then if you click on the link, it supposedly they can track your phone somehow. Like. Shit's crazy. Yeah, like, it's weird. That's scarier than half the things you like. We're gonna talk about, you know. And it's, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Like Ohio of all places is such a hub for human trafficking. Like you'd think it'd be like New York, like L.A., like bigger cities, bigger areas. It's just not weird. really because look at where Ohio is located geographically in the United States. Well, because it's close to Canada and stuff. Not necessarily Canada, but Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago. Look at all the major cities. Yeah. How far is it from Washington D.C.? I mean, it's not. That's true. It's very centrally located. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's one of the larger population states, so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always, I guess it's just because I'm from here that I always think, like, like, when people, like, people will move here from, like, like, Europe or somewhere, and I'm like, why the fuck of all places did you move to Ohio? Like, I like it here, but I'm like, if I was going to pack up my life, like, I feel like, and, and come to America, I'd want to come to, like, a bigger cool city, you know, instead of like instead of just Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, but it's very yeah. Ohio for what you get is very affordable, yeah. and they have a decent sized economy compared to other Midwest states and other states. So yeah, I guess I don't know. And that was our segment on <laughs> CNN. That's right. Yeah, we're just we're, we're just keeping you flush. We, we're like all encompassing here with on death by stereo. You tuned into C-SPAN. That's right. Yeah, He's like well, the the population actually. And as we segue into politics now, oh yeah. God no, <laughs> we do not want to get RJ going on that. There's going to be a murder in my basement right now. So yeah, if you hear screams, it's all part of the all part of the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely scary, and I think that especially with you know technology the way it is, I think that can happen. Like. Um, I've actually got a... I'll save it for next time. I actually have a good horror in real life. I was going to awesome. slide in this time, but I'll wait till next time and, and say it. So slide it into our DMs. That's, we, that's right. I'll slide into my own DMs. Got to get the ball rolling. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty scary... That's horror in real life yeah. for this month. Yep. So, if we want to go ahead and get started, uh, RJ was first this month. Yep. Absolutely. So, my movie that I picked was uh, one of my... I'd say one of the more favorite movies of mine. It's called uh, Interview with a Vampire. And it uh, came out in 1994. Wow. It was uh, produced by David Jeffen and Stephen Woolley. It was originally based on a um, a book by Anne Rice. And I believe it came out in the 70s. Yeah, it was uh, based on a book from 1976. So essentially the 
the theme of the movie more or less is uh we start off in new orleans and the i think it was the 18th century it was supposed to be in the 1700s oh no 1600s i think something like that but um essentially a he's he he owns looks like he owns hundreds of slaves he has a huge mansion um it's brad pitt and he uh he plays a character named louis and essentially his his wife um dies his his child they the wife dies in child uh while she's giving birth and so her and the kid both pass away and he's just ridiculously depressed he's lonely he's you know he's going to the brothels he's drinking he's gambling he's essentially trying you know he's pissing a lot of people off because he's cheating at poker and everything else he's trying to get somebody to shoot him he's inviting death is actually a good way to put it right and uh so that's where um uh listat or uh, tom cruise finds him and essentially <laughs> drains him of blood two separate occasions and uh not completely but he ends up turning him the second time and uh listat likes to say that whoever he turns he always gives them a choice but when you're essentially there about to die um, I don't really see that as much of a choice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the one thing that I really enjoyed about this was the storyline, and also I believe the movie has very good character development. So one direction that I think that I like that they take this is they start off in the New World, and you watch the United States slowly grow um, and from colonies to becoming the United States, becoming more and more industrialized. And then uh, after Lestat dies, they go to Europe, and you get to see the other side of, you know, the old world vampires and how they react, how they, you know, how they live. And in the movie, each vampire has their own unique set of traits that I don't think if it's where they live, like, you know, as vampires are made from the same vampires, I don't know if it's traits that they get from each other. But the ones from the uh, from Paris, where they end up traveling, can read their minds and different things like that. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed in this was it does not use a lot of CGI. Um, a lot of the effects are um, practical. Practical, and so they actually went to such an extent to make them practical, where they made Brad Pitt, um, Tom Cruise hang upside down for like half an hour. So that all the blood would rush to their faces, and they actually—that's um, how they made the veins on their faces. Huh. Um, the only show uh, pieces that I think where they made uh, CGI was when Brad Pitt and um, what's the little girl's name, Kirsten Dunst, uh, when they were transforming into vampires. Those are the only scenes where they really use CGIs, except for like when New Orleans burns down and different things like that. Uh, one of my more favorite scenes, I would say, is when, uh, I can't remember what her uh, movie name is, but Kirsten Dunst slits Lestad's throat. So he starts off, they start off using like a um, like a prosthetic um, wound that they, you know, they slit it open. And they actually turn that into a um, animatronic robot that as the blood is leaking out, it like shrivels and like graze up in the face and everything else yeah, it was really cool which yeah i thought i really thought that was really well done but you know as is there's uh there's some people that knock this movie but as a whole um i always enjoyed it i thought it had a very good storyline it's the story was believable you know um i think it was you know somewhat tragic too but um one last effect so 
you guys remember the scene where um, the little girl and the newly turned vampire are being not tortured but they're being executed almost yeah so the person who made that mold of them like when they're just hard ash and they basically crumble i guess that was based off of photographs of victims from hiroshima okay after world war ii that's cool so i i don't know i i think overall i think it was a very well done movie and it did very well in the box office so what was the budget on that do you have that the budget was let me I'm just curious, up. just because it was mostly practical, I'm sure it was in it, I mean, with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and all the big actors. So the budget was only $60 million. $60 million? Yeah. And only the, $60 million. The, Well, I mean, compared to <laughs> yeah, other well, sure. movies, but yeah. I mean, it was also early on, but the box office, it brought in um, $223.7 million. It was a big one. I mean, so you it, throw, I mean, Kirsten Dunst was a little kid, so you really can't count her as much, but, you know, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, um... Oh, what's the Antonio Banderas? Yeah, Antonio yep. Banderas. Uh, I mean, that was a that's a pretty big cast, I think. So um, Kristen Dunst was actually young enough. She said that her first kiss was in this movie, hmm. and she said that she actually she absolutely hated kissing Brad Pitt. There's there's a scene where they're about to, right before they're executed, the vampires take her away. Yeah. That she kisses Brad Pitt on the balcony, and um, you know, it's she said I was just a little peck, but she said I. I thought it was just absolutely disgusting. She, then <laughs> she goes on to kind of defend herself. She's like, you know, I was just a late bloomer. Yeah. How old but, was she in that? I feel like she was... <sighs> she was like 12 or 13, I think. That sounds about right. Little did she know, she was locking lips with freaking Hunk and Brad Pitt, and she didn't even appreciate it. Well, and, I mean, Brad Pitt actually hated making this movie, too. <laughs> um, he hated always having to be in the dark, and he actually went up to the uh, the director and asked how much he would have to pay to get out of the movie huh. and they gave him some astronomical number like i think it was like 30 or 40 million dollars or something and so he just decided to stick it out <laughs> yeah it's funny because i can't see him doing anything like this like it's weird because i feel like horror is such a niche genre and when you get a big actor actress you know from mainstream to come and do it i feel like it's always kind of an accomplishment and to get tom cruise and brad pitt and antonio banderas you know i mean that's huge but but, I mean, some of these actors, they do it, they hate doing it, but it helps make their reputation. Look at Julie Adams. She did not want to do that, and she was actually forced to do Creature from the Black Lagoon. And it's one of the movies that she's, you know, yeah, best known for. Well for. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, yeah, doesn't like it. Um, who else was I think? Well, Jennifer Aniston hates the fact that she was in Leprechaun, which I don't know if you like that, because <laughs> I think that's more of, like, a blight on her career than... That didn't really make her career or anything else, but... Um, yeah, I so I had seen this previously. Um, this is a movie I own, and I saw it um, what late '90s, early 2000s, and really liked it. Um, you know, I just like RJ had mentioned. I mean, I love the cinematography was good. Uh, the story was really good. I mean, to see, I think it was believable, like you said, like with Brad Pitt. You know, he was his life was over. Like he was inviting death and welcoming, it. and I think Tom Cruise even like kind of makes that reference, or Brad Pitt, I think when he makes that reference at one point, that he kind of invited this monster in unknowingly. Um, and it was definitely, it was neat to see the transition of, you know, at first, Brad Pitt was, you know, like, he was like a newborn baby, like, he was seeing the world for the first time through a vampire's eyes. And I think he was initially kind of excited about it, and then I think once he realized he had to actually feed on people, he wasn't so keen on it. Um, I, I It was neat, too, to see, you know, we slowly see all the slaves in the plantation that Brad Pitt owns um, start to kind of revolt and they, they don't like Tom Cruise. They think he's evil. And so it was neat. Like, you know, they were still serving him and kind of doing their job, but at night they were, you know, holding these bonfires and like trying to ward the evil out. 
And um, I can only imagine how that would feel of like, you know, your master, like all of a sudden, like this turns into this fucking monster, you know, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, I mean, he was going around and feeding on all of them and killing them. Like they would wake up to, I don't know if you remember, but bodies just by the water and having yeah. to get them out of the water, just, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but it was cool too. I mean, the, just to see, you know, Tom Cruise was kind of arrogant as Lestat in this and, you know, just kind of thought he ruled the world and was going to live forever. And it was neat to see Brad Pitt kind of outgrow him in a way it was like the student became the master and then it was i think it was cool to see that twist where lestat was like begging uh louis to kind of stay around with him and like help him kind of adjust in the world and and brad pitt was like yeah fuck off like you know he was he was like the most powerful one essentially i mean even antonio banderas like begged him to kind of stay with him so well that's the interesting thing so antonio um God, I can't think of names. Um, His vampire name? Yeah. I can't remember either. No, yeah. Well, I mean, he was. He said that he was 400 years old. They'd never say how old Lestat was. But they each turned to Louis to, like, like see, almost, almost save them. Yeah. To help, to help invigorate them and give them new life. Yeah. And, um, you know, the vampire that Antonio uh, plays actually tells him as, he, as Louis is walking away and leaving him, you know, if you leave me, I will die. Like, I have nothing left in this world. Yeah. Which comes back to, it's almost just like a, a tragedy yeah. story. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and it was neat how they all kind of, especially um, Brad Pitt's character and then Kirsten Dunst. I mean, she, at one point, she sees a woman bathing, and she's, like, very well built. And she pretty much realizes, like, I'll never grow up to, I'll never be like that. I'll never get these body parts. I'll never get to be a woman. And she ends up... Um, eating that woman and keeping her in her bed as like a play toy, which is funny. But, and then she uh, freaks out and tries to cut her hair and it grows right back, which I thought was a cool effect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just, I mean, this was, I saw this when I was younger and just loved movies in general and, and didn't have such a specialty in horror. And I think for me, this is just a good movie in general. Like I would show this to anybody, but putting it as a horror movie as well, I think, you know, it, it, it ends up being really good in my opinion. And, I mean, I'd say this was probably a blockbuster, I think, kind of. I don't know exactly the month that came out back in the day, but I feel like this was November. a really big... Okay. So not, like, technically summer blockbuster, but I think it was yeah. a really big Hollywood thing. And So um, since you don't like CGI, what did... I thought they were really almost ahead of their times in the two scenes where um, Brad Pitt and Kirsten Dunst turn into vampires. Yeah. Since you're a very non-CGI fan... What did you think of those two scenes? It was really good. Um, I mean, I think that it it's hard to tell. It's not shitty, blatant, right. cheap CGI. You can tell they put the money into it and put the time into it. Um, and even when Lestat is, like, like when she goes to kill him and he starts to gray in age, I think it was done so well that the, the effects on it were amazing. I mean, it, you can tell it had a big budget because they really put everything into it. Um, so I, I think it was very, very well done. Um, I mean, the score was good. The one thing I will say is, not being a fan of period pieces, um, if you don't, if you really don't like period pieces, you may not like this only because it's that Victorian age and, and all this. And now um, we kind of get jumps back and forth where Brad Pitt is being interviewed um, in the modern day in the '90s. Um, why did his name suddenly escape me? The Christian really, Slater. Yeah, Christian yeah. Slater. Um, they don't really ever mention him by name, though. I don't think his character name. No, I was thinking of his real name, yeah. Christian Slater. Um, so. Chris, Brad Pitt is is more of like a I think he's accepted being a vampire in the modern day, and he intends to kill Christian Slater, but he knows it's Christian Slater watching him, so he ends up agreeing to tell his life story to him. And so 
there is a little bit of modernity to it, um, but I definitely think that that's it doesn't bother me as much this time, but I don't tend to like period pieces. And I think if you, if you really hate them, you may not like this if you haven't seen it. But other than that, I see that's my like only real knock, um, on the movie. So, uh, TJ, you want to give some of your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched, I didn't watch it fully through when I was younger, but this was the first full watch through. And, uh, he, Brent already covered what I was going to say, essentially. Um, when I was younger, like I had a hard time getting through it because I'm not a big per, uh, period piece person. Um, and I'm still not, there's, there's a few exceptions, like I've talked about on the podcast with like the witch and stuff, but, um, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything like negative to say that this is like a bad, poorly made movie, but my problem is that it, it's just hard cause I get a little bored with period pieces. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to like sit here and knock it by any means. Cause like you guys made some really good points and, um, I think Kirsten Dunst's acting was really really good yeah um especially I, for how young she was yeah mm-hmm. i like brad pitt in general um not i wouldn't say this is his, his best role or not even close to his best role i know he's done a lot of others um but i i like i said it it my like negativeness would be that i just it was a preference thing like it's yeah. i was just a little bored because it's of the time period like uh, rj showed us queen of the damned which is also written by Anne rice and I think I slightly, I know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I slightly preferred that, but it was also more modern. And, um, I just think I, I think that that has to be it because this is a, well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with RJ that this is that people crap on this movie. I think it's a pretty universally liked movie for the most part. So I'm kind of in the oddball out that I wouldn't say they crap on it, but in a queen of the damned, um, I feel like crapped on but yeah yeah I, interview with the vampire, crap, it seems, I think rotten tomatoes gave it a 60 percent approval rotten tomatoes just sucks ass i mean i when you had said that i i've never heard anybody that didn't like this before right. besides tj so i think yeah. this is i think it's very and well received when i sit but when we say i don't like it i don't want it to be construed as like i think it's a bad or poorly made movie just not your style it's a preference yeah. thing yeah. like it's kind of like uh i don't know you get where I'm coming yeah, from. Yeah, it's, it's just not your style. And like, that's, that's okay. You're that's why I compared it to Queen of the Damned so that I can show that I think that it is the time period that's really what does it because they're similar movies and, like, they're written by the same lady and, like, I think I slightly prefer that even though it's usually the one that people don't like more. Yeah. But that's one thing that I... And I don't know if it was when they... Because re- I've never uh, read any of her books, but Anne Rice actually strongly objected to how they did Queen of the Damned. The movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if... I think it's interesting how Interview with the Vampire really focuses on the old, you know, the the 18th century, 19th century, whereas Queen of the Damned, yeah, they give you brief highlights of what happened in the past, but they focus on the modern day. Yeah. So I don't, I, I honestly think, because this is all part of like some series, so I think it's it, it tries to take each book, each novel into a different direction. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know that because so I haven't. One of the things that confuses me, and I don't know if RJ can clear it up for me, is. Um, they're all Anne Rice stories, and Lestat was a character in both Interviews of the Empire, played by Tom Cruise, and then he was a character in Queen of the Damned, which was the main guy, right? The Stuart, I think his name's Stuart Townsend, the guy that yeah. played him. Yeah. So, like, that's the same, in the book world, that's the same character? Just different portrayals I, I don't know, because they're considered uh, okay. sequels, so uh, I don't know if... I honestly don't know how. All right, no, you don't have to have because I don't know her. I don't know her novels well enough. I think that right. she just likes certain names and certain characters. 
So that's one beef I have is when we watched Queen of the Dam, I was like, wait, so this guy's named Lestat too? And like, I get they're both by her, and I don't know the reasoning either. Well, I wonder if in the book world, they're the same character, but the, it could the movies are just portraying the character could differently. Be. It could be, and like you said, uh, RJ, that she didn't like Queen of the Dam the way it was portrayed, so maybe maybe it makes more sense that he's one character in the books. Again, mm-hmm. none of us have read it, so we don't know, but that's my one of my gripes with the movie is I'm like, I don't like that they're, they're both playing a different character but have the same name i think know. i remember you even commenting on that yeah i didn't i didn't like that because i had seen an interview with the vampire you know forever ago and when we found out that his name was lasada i was like wait that's the same guy from the other one so mm-hmm. i don't know i mean it, you know anyway that's read the books maybe i, would I think that we up both brought us. that up when we watched Queen of the dim because i yeah. was like i was like i know i haven't finished uh interview with the vampire completely but isn't that the name of one of the characters yeah, and... yeah. So, but i'm I not gonna just... hold that against because uh, this came out first so i'm not gonna hold that against right. this for sure i'm but... not holding it against either movie i was just trying to get clarification from my own personal thoughts i think the one phrase that characterizes this entire movie and i finally remembered his name the vampire armand oh there you go um oh was that um so he um he's talking to louis and louis basically trying to figure out what are we where do we come from like what is our purpose what you know and um Marius basically responds and says, you know, the world changes and grows with the times. We do not. We're always stuck in our indefinite uh, time period, which, you know, is kind of dark and gloomy on its own. But, you know, the movie is a tragedy first and foremost. So I think that really encapsulates, like, the the message they're trying to portray. I think this would be, like, a good play because I feel like just the way, like, the way this, this story has, like, a... I'm trying to think of like a good way to put like it. Like a theater like, type. Yeah, a theater type, and it's like it's like romanticized in a way. Like it's not. They're not like. Yeah, I used that word described before, and and remember because he thought I was saying romantic. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, it's a romanticized way to put it because they're not like, like brutal gunk, killers. Yeah. It's yeah. it's more. Um, like they're like, sexy they're like and... well, they're like dandies. Like they have like their you know ponytails and like the the bows like the men. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's that time period, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is. This is a huge movie. I mean, if you if you are listening and haven't seen it, um, I mean, I'd be surprised only because it's 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 pretty big. I think, yeah. you know, not just in and horror. it's not that I would say approved even on my end when I get my score. Like you know how we say, you know, yeah, this is Death by Stereo approved. Like it's still approved. It's just for me, my background in vampires has always been more to the uh, the the style of the Lost Boys, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like yeah. so that's why I tend to gravitate more towards those types mm-hmm. of vampire movies. He's yeah. a Twilight kind of guy. Secretly in the closet <laughs> about Twilight. Well, that's above the other ones. I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts we want to talk about, or are we we get to rate it on this one? You think? I mean, I'm fine. If I mean, RJ, are you good or I'm good. You okay. good to go? Okay, I am too. So I'll just go ahead and give it my rating. Um, I gave this a four out of five. TJ, sorry, I was recording <laughs> your thing. Uh, I give it a three out of five. Okay, RJ. I was gonna give it a four, but I think I want to give this a four point five. Just um, I was trying to think of reasons to give it a bit of a higher um, score, and I think the the music um, pushes this to a four point five for me. Yeah. Um, it's a very big production of a movie. I mean, yeah. it's it's very Holly, you know, Hollywood type of, of horror movie since you know it had a big budget and a big backing and stuff. So I can see that. Okay. Cool. Yep. Next. Yeah. So that's Death by Stereo approved. Um, you know, again, if if you know, if you like gothic style, um, 
you, you may love this, you know, even if you don't, give it a shot, because you may like it anyway, because it's just a good yeah. movie. Especially so. if you like Dracula, like that kind of yeah. like, vampire horror. Yep. Absolutely. So, yep. All right. All right, so I was up next. I was second this month, and I chose Better Watch Out, which is kind of like a Christmas-themed horror comedy-ish. Um, and it was a first-time watch for me and these guys. I picked it because I wanted to see it, and figured why not? Uh, do a Christmas themed or holiday themed horror movie during this time of year. <clears throat> this movie synopsis is just that it's a uh, babysitter must defend a 12 year old boy from intruders only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion. Um, dun, dun, dun. This came out in 2016 and uh, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't as big of a fan of this as I had hoped. Um, it had the makings to be something that I'd really like, the, being like under the horror con- comedy uh, genre and um, just like the home invasion and the Christmas setting and stuff. I had really high hopes for it. Um, <clears throat> we're going to spoil this, so because it's more of a, a more recent release, uh, make sure to tune out if you haven't seen this and you don't want any spoilers. Essentially, in this movie, um, this little boy who's getting babysat, he's got a crush on his babysitter. And uh, he's kind of tries to make the moves on her, and he makes comments about her boyfriend's being shitty, and he's kind of a little wimp too. Um, and they lead the movie kind of goes in the direction where they kind of make you think that there's a home invasion t- taking place, and we end up finding out that it's his friend who's like just kind of they're trying to make the babysitter think that there's a home invasion, um, and events kind of unfold and the boy actually ends up knocking her out and tying her up and he's kind of a nutcase and kind of he is a nutcase and um the rest of the movie plays out where he's kind of he's got her he's bringing luring in her ex-boyfriends and her current boyfriend and uh he picks them off and he actually ends up killing his friend too and that's just how the movie plays out and then she gets I mean, that's basically. You guys think I need to add anything to the synopsis there? No, I think it's pretty good. I mean, we just we just have the viewpoint of um, the little boy is in control and he's orchestrated this entire thing. Um, he, and I like to say he thinks he's in control because when when he loses control is when he ends up killing somebody, like you know, to try to regain control. He right. freaks out for sure. Right. Um, he was a little pervy too. Like he like. I was like, let's play truth or dare. I'm gonna touch your tits and like. Which I could see, like, like you know, I forget exactly how old he was. I mean, we think he's I think in, he like, twelve or something. So I mean, I, I mean, you, you could see that. She was you know? only like I mean, three years older than him or something like that, though. I think she was like seventeen. Yeah, I mean, you could see, like, I could forget that because you could see how you know he'd be like, oh, boob, like you know, they're so young. There was like stuff. some callbacks to like Home Alone. Like, there's a part when he set her uh, one boyfriend up in a chair, like in, underneath like the upstairs section, and he tied a can of paint to a string and he's like oh i always wanted to see how this would play out and yeah. he like drop he like drops it down and bashes the guy's head in and yeah um for me i just i, I think i was just a little uh, underwhelmed by what happened like i kind of was like excited at the aspect of there being a home invader and like it's just him and his babysitter kind of out against these intruders and that's what i was kind of hoping for and I was a little underwhelmed by what what took place, but uh, if you guys want to speak on it, feel free. Um, I don't I, have any comments 
on technical aspects of the movie if it's just more about how i feel and i was like underwhelmed that's the best way to put it i think i would probably agree with you i was i I thought it started off really well but as the story goes on there's just not a lot of depth in it and it's very shallow i guess and i guess you know you describing you know being underwhelmed i think that's probably the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. but i mean it's it's still entertaining though it's got a fairly good storyline and i think my favorite part of this movie is probably the ending though um you know essentially he thinks he kills everybody and he stages i think the the ex-boyfriend and that he did it and it on him yeah yeah. i how did the girl end up i think he stabs her in the neck doesn't she uses a piece of duct tape to close up yeah and then she's on the stretcher and she so the the paramedics are taking her out and we hear them say you know we got a live one here and so it turns back and um they're talking about how she survived she put a piece of duct tape on her stab wound and she looks up at the window and she knows that he's watching and he just kind of flip she flips him off (laughs) that part was kind of funny yeah um i I, I couldn't agree more with these guys. Uh, when the movie first started, and with the premise of the home invasion, I thought I was really excited about it. I was really digging it and enjoying it, and I was like, I can't wait to see you know how this goes. And then once we find out that the little boy has orchestrated all of this as a way, because basically before the babysitter comes over, the little boy and his friend are in his room, and he's basically plotting on like, oh, like you know, how can I get her to like me and. They both mentioned how watching horror movies like gets girls horny, apparently, according to their estimation. And so essentially, you know, his plan is I'll scare her and it'll get her all horned up and then she'll want me. And, you know, he, he drinks alcohol and gives her some. And so, um, you know, when that's his whole plan is he gets his doofy little friend to, you know, order a pizza and they didn't order it. And then, you know, there's somebody outside. And so it, it starts out like really good, like the only thing I thought was suspicious, and I guess I could see it now, was um, I felt like it all happened too quickly. And so my thought, when I still thought it was like a straight home invasion angle, I was like, man, like this is ratcheting up really quickly and we just started this. Mm-hmm. And then when we find out little boy had it all planned and it's not real, um, I, I felt like I was like some wind was out of my sails. Like I just felt like I wanted it to be a, a home invasion angle, even though I guess I'm contradicting myself normally because the where it went was actually I felt kind of original, whereas the home invasion angle has yeah. been done to death. So I usually prefer originality, but I just wanted that home invasion angle. And once I found out that it wasn't, I was I was just kind of like I was let down, as they said. I think what could have helped it for me is maybe a not that I'm not knocking his acting, but maybe a slightly better actor for the kid, like yes. someone who could have like turned it off and like become a complete. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they could have turned off this sweet innocent kid act and like turned like turned it off and was a completely different person. That could have like, turned it into more of a horror movie, and I would have liked that. Yeah. Um. But I honestly feel like the girl was the only one I liked. Like she's the only character I really liked. Like even his friend was like his friend was okay, but he's kind of annoying. Yeah, uh, and I agree. I mean, I, I liked The Babysitter the most. I think we were meant to. Um, the one thing I will say is I, I I liked the way that the kid acted only because I felt like it was more realistic. Like, he wasn't a brutal killer, and when he actually had to kill somebody, he freaked out, and that was when he, like, lost his shit the most because his whole plan was he wasn't really going to, like... He wasn't going to, like, kill anybody. He wanted to set it up to where people, like kind of killed themselves or killed each other and like i think he initially wanted it to be more of like hey i'm gonna scare her and she'll like me and i think once 
she like spit in his face and was like, you know, screw you. Then I think he kind of descended into madness. So it was kind of cool to watch him kind of unravel. And he was still a little kid. Like he had like annoying kid voice and he freaked out. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity here for a little bit of contrast though. Cause if we compare him to Kirsten Dunst in interview with a vampire, that what, what was the boy's name in this movie? His character name? I don't remember. I don't remember Instead of either. referring to him as I'll the look, kid. I'll look, but I don't remember. But, like, he just comes off as His whine. name is Luke. Luke. Okay, Luke. Go, yeah. He just comes off as whiny and very childish, whereas um, the person that Kristen Dunst plays is more of a, it has more of an innocence to her. You know, she, she ends up becoming a ruthless killer, but I think there's a pretty good contrast between how their two characters and are set up brent's not wrong that the kid is more realistic acting that way and that it but i what i guess what i'm trying to say is, is it would have been more of a twist and cool to me had he been twit turned into what you wouldn't expect you prefer him. it to be that way so yeah. you didn't dislike his acting in the way it was you just would have preferred him to be that that's way. a good point okay yeah 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 i was gonna say because i uh, the only reason I would disagree is I think he was meant to be I, exactly the way he was. Yeah, I just probably didn't say it right. No, yeah, I, I get that. I, so, I yeah, I didn't that. really a testament to his acting. It's just that maybe the way the character was written. Characters written, yeah. Let's point. put it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it, so it was fun. I mean, I definitely, it was one that I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It, it was, I wouldn't say I loved it, but it was it was one I would maybe give a rewatch to. But I definitely was, was bummed out that it wasn't the straight home invasion angle. Um... I mean, it was the, the the couple callbacks, like the Home Alone paint can thing was kind of cool, and I mean, it was neat to see what would actually kind of happen, you know, supposedly. Yeah. Um, I did like that the kid was really smart and had all this stuff planned out. Um, I mean, it shows how stupid some of the, the male characters were to just fall into these traps. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I love the fact that he had everything figured out to a T, and he's going to get away with it, and then, you know... He doesn't plan on her surviving, and the middle finger thing was perfect. Um, yeah. So I was glad, because I, I kind of thought he'd get away with it, and I was like, man, that little motherfucker. <laughs> and then when she's alive at the end, I was like, okay, like, you know, it turned out pretty well. And it must mm-hmm. have, like, a reverse babysitter vibe. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you haven't seen the babysitter, obviously, so we won't say too much about it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it, but I definitely, I was more excited while I was watching it when it was this home invasion angle as opposed to what it turned into. Yeah. Um, so well, what's just, your rating, man? Um, you guys have anything more to say about it, or I do not. You don't? Nah, I'm good. Okay. Um, I'll give it a three. All right. I was also leaning towards a three. I'm giving it a two point five. Two point five out of five. Okay. All right. Lower than you guys on my own movie. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> hadn't seen it, so it was right. a fresh watch for all so of us. So does that and... mean that this is not? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's approved. I think it has, everybody has to give it at least a three. Yep. Was my criteria, but again, it was something that you know I I didn't hate it. I you know it was a fun watch for me, but I just I I wanted it to be something different than yeah. it was. So. On my scale, when I rate two point five, isn't hate. It's decent. Yeah. Like it's like a fifty percent. Like. Eh. Well, if you look at it, two point five sounds bad if you're talking about out of ten, but out of five, that's like that's a five out of ten. It's, it's half. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not bad, but. Um, it's so, yeah. just it's and to me like a 2.5 is okay or decent it's not i don't think it's necessarily good but i don't hate it either yeah absolutely so okay so, all well, right on to my movie was the the last one of the night um if you listen to um the show two episodes ago uh, i brought 1985's fright night so uh, neither one of these guys had seen the remake so what i wanted to do while it was so fresh was kind of get that over and get their thoughts on it so um, that's what I went with. This came out in 2011. 
Um, it was directed by Craig Gillespie, and it stars um, Anton. Is it Yelkin or Yelchin? I always say Yelchin, but I don't know that okay. for sure. Anton Yelchin is what it looks like. Um, Colin Farrell, um, McLovin himself, uh, Christopher <laughs> Mintz-Plasse, which was funny. McLovin. Yeah, um, I had a good cast. David Tennant, uh, I thought was an awesome choice. Um, and then Tony Collette was, was I love a nice Tony surprise. Collette. She's yeah. one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, she was good. And then Imogen Poots is really super hot and did a good job. So um, had a good cast. So uh, this isn't a shot-for-shot shot remake, which I liked. It actually had a, um, a good twist on some characters. Um, and if you've never seen it, I'll give you a quick rundown. So essentially, um, there's a high school student named Charlie Brewster. Um, in this movie, he's a bit different. In this movie, he is kind of like was a nerd now he's popular and um he has this hot girlfriend and um the setting is las vegas and essentially people are starting to disappear around the area at his school kids aren't showing up for class and uh, his childhood friend um i'm just gonna call him mclovin because that's what he is so mclovin is his childhood friend and uh he plays evil ed here and um Ed is essentially kind of aware that there's some, you know, vampire activity in the area, and he's trying to talk Charlie into activity. investigating with him. And uh, Charlie's reluctant because, you know, he's cool and popular now, and he doesn't have time to investigate vampires. He wants to hang out with his girlfriend. So, um, you know, they end up meeting up and uh, at their friend's house who disappeared, and uh, they don't really find anything. They just assume, you know, Charlie assumes he moved out or whatever, and he doesn't care. So, um Ed ends up getting attacked by Colin Farrell, who plays Jerry this time. Um, and he turns him, you know, he's, he's the, the nerd that nobody cares about. So he's easy to turn. And, and essentially it's just, you know, slowly but surely Charlie ends up kind of realizing that, Hey, there might be a vampire living next door to me. I need to check this out. Um, and then he, you know, ends up trying to get Peter Vincent to help him and end up fighting him. And, um, what I liked about this is, as I was watching it again this time, it's probably my third time watching it, I think. Um, I like the contrast and I like the director's choice to, you know, in the first movie, Charlie Brewster is the crazy one and nobody around him believes that there's a vampire. And in this, it was opposite where Charlie was, you know, kind of the cool, suave one. And it was cool to watch him have to be, he was skeptical and then he had to be talked into believing. And then it was, it was neat because then he believed and everybody around him thought he was crazy. And, and I thought that was a kind of a good change. Um, uh, it was definitely interesting that Ed, I think, got taken so early in the movie and the fact that, you know, in this one, Ed is the one that's really adamant that there's a vampire and, you know, nobody believes in nobody cares because he's just a nerd, which I thought, I mean, he plays a perfect nerd in this, obviously, because he looks like a dork. Um, I thought Colin Farrell played a really good Jerry for modern times. Um, I mean, it was believable because in Vegas, you know, he claims he has his windows blacked out because he works night construction on the strip. So who's going to question that? You know, it's, it's pretty iron tight. Um, and I, I thought it was really well done. Um, it was fun. I, I know TJ may disagree on this cause we talked about it, but I liked, um, no, wait for my, I, I, I changed my mind. Okay. Don't, don't say that. Okay. Well, I, I, I liked, uh, Peter <laughs> Vincent. Anyway. The portrayal was cool because I mean, he was kind of like a, a mock Chris angel essentially, but again, for the modern times, I feel like that would be perfect. And, um, he was still a dick. He was still a complete coward, which I think he played that perfectly. Um, I think Charlie, I liked Charlie more in this than the original, I think, because 
The original Charlie was kind of a whiner in this one. I, I just love Anton Yelchin. Anything he's in, I think he steals the show. Um, it's a shame he died so early in a freaking tragic accident. Um, but I just think he plays a really good Charlie in this. And um, I mean, there is some CGI with the vampire stuff, but it was the time it was. And I think that, you know, it, it didn't kill it for me. I mean, it kind of was what it was. Um, but I think the effects were good. Um, we do get a little cameo of Chris Sarandon, who played the original Jerry in the movie, which I thought was cool. He was the victim on the highway, the guy that uh, Colin Farrell just absolutely destroys. Um, so it was just, I don't know, it, it was a fun time for me. Um, only thing I will say is that this movie was filmed for 3D. And so... So this was filmed originally for 3D. Um, this was in the 2010s where that, unfortunately, that was a thing back then. And I actually saw this in theaters in 3D. Um, it, it was kind of pointless for that. And I think as we watched it, you can tell that, like, TJ actually remarked to me, like, was this filmed in 3D? And I said, yeah, because you can just tell some of the effects or try like even on the blu-ray of and, and not in 3d or you know you can tell the way they're filmed so that was one negative i didn't like about it i wish they just left it alone but it didn't kill it for me i mean i don't think it ruins it um for the home video so um, if you guys want to talk about it a little bit rj so i i enjoy the character contrast too i i this was the first time i saw this so i can't really say the names but um i think jerry was the main vampire correct, correct yep. Um, I, I think I like his character better in this one than in the older one. And then I would say the the main vampire hunter, was it Charlie? Charlie, yeah. Charlie. I, I think he would probably be my favorite character. So in the original one, I don't think they give him enough credit to where he's like a, a fraud. Like they, they show the house and everything else. But so as Charlie's like sitting there getting comfortable and talking to the, the main character, like... He slowly takes off his hair, takes out his teeth, takes out this, take off that, you know, and they, like, it really portrays him as, like, you know... Yeah, Peter Vincent. For what he is. Yeah. But what I also like more is that they adapt his background history to where he's had experience with this. So it's not so much as he's not a believer because he just doesn't believe. He's not a believer because he doesn't want to believe because he wants to, you know, ignore the past. Yeah. And to top that all off, you know, the vampire in this movie is actually the one who scarred him during his childhood i wonder so, how you guys felt about so that. there's there's a lot of give and take here and i mean you know the contrast goes to even as far as uh in the original movie you know the the two main characters the boyfriend and the girlfriend the the guy's the one that's trying to like um get her to go further as far as sex wise and amy you know and Charlie, yeah. yeah and she doesn't really want to and then this one amy's the one who's pushing for it and they both mm -hmm. get interrupted by the same thing but it's just, you know, it's little things like that that there's, you know, you, you enjoy the contrast, ex yeah. especially since we've seen this so close together. Yeah. I think you can really appreciate those parts of the movie. Well, that's why I wanted to do it, too. So that way it was fresh in your mind, and that way, you know, this was all clear. And I, I, I like that as well. I loved, I don't know, you know, we'll hear what TJ thinks, but I liked how they flipped some things in the remake here, and I thought it worked really well for But they also they kept it. some things. Yeah, they did. So, I mean, I, I think, as far as remakes go, I, I think this is, I think it was very well done. Mm -hmm. I would stretch it to say that I, I might like this more than the original. Um, TJ, TJ, what were your thoughts? Oh, sorry. Um, I, I thought it was a pretty solid um, remake. I like remakes that, like, pay respect to the original, but also, like, have their own twists. Um, and they certainly did that in this one. And these two guys mentioned quite a bit um, that I was thinking about saying myself. Um, 
uh, Brent was about to say that I, we had talked about it, and I did, he was saying that uh, that I didn't like uh, the Peter Vincent, but I actually changed my mind on that because when um, when we were actually watching it and me and Brent were talking, and he he mentioned the fact like, oh, well they're in Vegas and it's kind of like a Chris Angel type character. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Like, because at first I wasn't a fan of like what they were doing with Peter Vincent, but that's a good point. Like with him being in Vegas, like that's exactly what he was like, like a Chris Angel figure. And so I I did appreciate that. It was pretty it was pretty good. Um, uh, it's hard for me to try to touch on each point that those bo- they both made because there was things that, as they were saying it, I was I was also uh, thinking and agreeing with. Yeah. Um. So forgive me if I'm not speaking too much on it, but um, it was a solid remake in my opinion, and I enjoyed it. Um. Do you? So RJ, you like the fact that Peter Vincent was tied, so his parents were murdered by uh, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Do you like that part, TJ? Yeah, sorry, I was like, that was one of the things I couldn't remember to, to comment on, but yeah, I did like that okay. uh, add-in part. That was just like I said, that was one of those. That was like one of those things that they added in that that is kind of making it their own. Yeah, I don't love that part. Like I, I liked because I think Peter is a good enough character on his own where, you know, I feel like he he would be brought in anyway. I mean, I love that he's a giant coward completely. And he's a drunk in, you know, kind of the same way. Um, and this one is a little bit different because he he likes the occult and he collects. Like, he's got this whole penthouse where he's got uh, the, all these artifacts and all these um, things from, um, like, early Christianity. And he's got, like, um, a stake that was, I think, blessed by St. Michael. And it, it's claimed that it'll turn um, half vampires back to their own self. And so he obviously is much more into the lore he still thinks charlie is a fucking nut job and you know it doesn't believe him or whatever but um it's i mean i'm glad you two like that i I didn't love that part as much i kind of wish that he was just his own character and then he helped charlie but i think it definitely brings him into the story more he's not just some random guy especially because this version of charlie doesn't give a shit about peter vincent and fright night or any of this stuff you know it's ed that cares more about it yeah um i mean don't get me wrong i'm i i think it's a solid remake and i do like those things but it still doesn't touch the original did you like colin farrell's portrayal of jerry like it yeah but i don't think it's better than uh chris Chris sarandon Sarandon. like chris sarandon had like a a charm and a suave about him that was like i liked better the one thing I will say is I liked that I think Colin Farrell played the character very more arrogant than Chris Sarandon did. I think yeah. Chris Sarandon wanted to be left alone more, whereas I think Colin Farrell was more aggressive as Jerry, which I kind of liked. Yeah. Um, do you like it better, though, or do you like Chris Sarandon better still? I like Chris Sarandon better still, um, but Me I too. definitely enjoy Colin Farrell, and, and I, I think he played it well. I think he played a more... He was a scarier Jerry, in my opinion. It, it, I think, yeah, because he was more like... He was more... Uh, like you said, aggressive and and gritty than the other, but he was almost like a mixture of Jerry and Jerry's assistant, because like Jerry's assistant kind of had like the arrogant, snarky yeah, attitude. It's true. Um, but he didn't have an assistant in this movie, yeah. so like maybe they kind of maybe they were going gave him that. some aspects from that character. Yeah. Um, scarier, yeah, but I I don't know. I think with with this movie, I still prefer yeah. Sarandon. Um, I did like how they kind of had a callback to the first one where he was eating fruit constantly, just like Chris Sarandon was. <laughs> yeah. Um, did they ever explain that? Well, I think what it was, I think I had mentioned on that episode, what it was is they kind of envisioned him almost as like, not a fruit bat, but like kind of like oh, how... Oh, okay, okay, I get you know, okay. I think that's that was kind of the nod there. Um, and I like that... Uh, so Colin Farrell and this, Jerry, had... Um, 
like a, a hidden compartment in his closet where he basically had like cells to keep these women he'd feed on. Mm-hmm. And we had a really cool scene where, um, um, oh my God, what's his, Anton Yelchin's name? Um, what in the, in the movie? Yeah. It's, um, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. I, I just totally spaced. Brewster. Where, uh, yeah, where Charlie goes and, um, his next door neighbor, Doris, um, is charmed by, um, by Jerry and, she, he, you know, hears her scream or whatever, and the, he has the cops come, just like in the first one, and, you know, they just, they're charmed away by Jerry, and he goes over to investigate and ends up finding her, and she gets fed on by Jerry, and then, you know, um, Charlie tries to rescue her, and I thought it was cool, because obviously Jerry was onto him, which I thought was neat, like a snarky little thing, and then they escape after this tense little showdown, and then as soon as they get her outside, the light hits her, and she blows up, which I thought was really cool, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was like, kind of like a nice little twist on there. Um, you know what character I do like better in this one? What? His mom. Charlie's His mom. Yeah. It's like, Tony Collette's great already. Like, she's one of my favorite actresses, but yeah. I liked how, like, her, she had a funny, like, attitude about her in this one. She was one. badass. Like, yeah. she was more aware, whereas Charlie's right. mom was more, like, goofy. Oblivious, yeah. yeah. Where, and what I love, and, and a good, really good example of that is, in the first movie, um, Jerry comes to the door and gets invited in immediately by Charlie's mom. Mm-hmm. Well, in this one... He's trying to get invited right, in, right, and right. Tony Collette's like, nah, not gonna happen. Yeah, like she sides exactly. with Charlie. She, she's the one character that I can for sure say I like better in this one. Yeah, yeah, she did a good job. Um, but I love the little callbacks. Like I love, you know, we have the typical, um, what is it? You're so cool, Brewster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the scene where in the nightclub where um, Amy dancing. gets taken by Jerry and gets mesmerized. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it had so many nice little callbacks to the first film. But I, it definitely made it its own and went its own way. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. It's hard to beat that dance scene in the first one, though. It really is. Yeah. That, that was, like, really well. 80s charm. Um, like, you just can't beat that. Um, I agree. So I will say I liked the, I liked Charlie better, played by Anton Yelchin. I just, maybe I'm partial to that actor, but I just think he did a, I just liked, like, his character development more, I think. Um, it's probably similar to how I'm talking about with the mom because I love Tony Collette. You exactly. Said you yeah. Anton Yelchin. Anything he's in, I just I gravitate to because I think he was amazing. That's how. I, yeah, that's how I feel about um, Tony. Collette. Yeah. So, um, but I definitely, uh, you know, I really enjoyed this. Um, I've got a few little movie facts that I had looked up about it um, that I'll get into real quick. Um, so, funny thing is, is that. Um, even though the film is set in Las Vegas, it was actually filmed um, in a small suburb near Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, only a few scenes were filmed at the Hard Rock Casino in Vegas, so I thought that was kind of funny that they wouldn't have done it in Vegas. Um, as we mentioned, you know, the only original cast member from the 1985 version was Chris Sarandon, which I had forgot he was in. He had that nice little cameo. And I was like, did you realize that was? Yeah, like, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I forgot. Because um, I had seen this when it came out in theaters, and I hadn't seen the original Fright Night for years at that point. You know, and I wasn't... Yeah. yeah, it was a quick little thing. Um, something that I think you guys may find interesting is actually, um, before his death in 2008, Heath Ledger was actually in the early stages of talks to play Jerry in this movie. I so, would have loved that. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> that would have been a pretty good job. Um, Why did that... He died, yeah. He died, so... Was that a terrible joke? Or? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Um, but Colin Farrell said he was impressed by uh, Craig Gillespie's previous works and, and wanted to join on. Um, I mean, I definitely think that... Like I said, I mean, I think it was... 
it was very well done. Um, the 3D part I didn't like, but it didn't kill it for me. I, that doesn't bother me because it's, it's kind of funny when you watch movies later on. And you, we, we lived through that time period, so it's kind of like... Oh yeah, I remember when everything was 3D. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with like the My Bloody Valentine remake. So it's just it's kind of for us, I think it's enjoyable in a weird way. Well, and I think it's like you can appreciate it and laugh at it because I think you know every every decade kind of had its its yeah. own little niche. Like mm-hmm. the 80s had the charm. 90s was like very bad effects and CGI kind of stuff. And I think that we definitely went through that area where everything that came out was was 3D and it was the big thing. And um, but like it didn't kill it for me either. I just I would have preferred it to just be shot normally, but it was, it was all right. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I don't hate remakes. Um, there's a quite a lot of remakes I really enjoy, and I think it's I think it's tough for me when I when I love the original and I love the remake because a lot of times we'll talk and like none of us have seen the thing, the original movie. So, you know, the remake's all I know, essentially. Yeah. And there's quite a few like that. So I think it was interesting to to watch an original movie that I love, and I gave it a five if you listened to that previous episode. And then to go to this, you know, it was this had a lot to live up to, and I was, I was very pleasantly surprised when I watched it that the callbacks were great. I love, like I said, the changes in, in characters and the choices. And, um, and I... I think the ending was cool where Charlie's, you know, kind of badass and armed up. And then we see Peter Vincent go down there. And I just love like his attitude. Like he's being fed on by these vampires and he's like, motherfucker. Like he's just so pissed off. Um, but I, I really liked it. So, um, any other thoughts you guys want to touch on? Um, not necessarily. I think you talked a lot about what I was thinking. Okay. Awesome. Um, do you guys just want to go ahead and rate it then? Yeah, sure. All right. RJ, you want to start it up? I would give this a four. I really liked it. Okay. TJ? Sorry, I was recording. Oh, that's good. One, all right. Um, I am giving it a uh, four as well. Oh, wow. I'm pleasantly surprised about that. Uh, it's a four for me also. Um, I just... I don't know. I, I, I knew it would be highly rated for me, but then once... As we were watching it that night, I was like fucking love this movie like i just really like it and i just uh, i couldn't I, I couldn't enjoy it more i think so um i think that's the rare case i mean we'll get into this more as we come upon this but i think it's a rare case of a remake being held almost as the same regard as the original i think well, is, is i'm rare. not going that far because i think they're I, I still think the original is way better but yeah but i mean like you know if we but i gave the original a five so exactly like... but I, I and i'm not saying that they're on the same level but i think the fact that i mean a four and a five are very close and i think that they're they're close enough to where you know we're not shitting on the remake and i think it did a yeah. good job i just didn't want the listeners to get confused because i know rj said he liked it better and i didn't want them to think that we were kind of all saying that oh no no i i still prefer the, the original just has a nostalgia to me, and, and I just enjoy that that time period. But I love this movie a lot, and um, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it's yeah. it's obviously uh, you know approved by all three of us. So if you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. I know it, it's not streaming anywhere, and I even the Blu-ray copy I had was hard to find. Um, it's not cheap, which is kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, if you if you like vampire movies, and if you've seen the original Fright Night and haven't seen this, check it out. You, you know, I think you'll really enjoy it. So yeah. Cool. Yep. So uh, that's episode number twenty. So um, thanks as always for for listening and rocking with us. We appreciate it. Um, tune in next month for our January movie night. 
Um, I am going to be bringing a foreign film that I actually had um, made my honorable mentions for Best of the Decade. It's called Goodnight Mommy. So be on the lookout for that. I will be bringing The Possession. Also mentioned on last episode. I'm bringing uh, Ready or Not, the one that came out this year in 2019. All right. Um, also, just a quick mention, uh, we might be having a spotlight for Get Out and Us coming next month as well, if you want to watch those yep. ahead of time. Very excited about that. So, um, yeah. So, uh, TJ, if you want to drop the uh, plugs for the email, Instagram, all that stuff. Yep. So, um, please send in questions, comments, compliments, Insults, whatever. whatever. Um, we got the email is deathstereopodcast at gmail.com. That's deathstereopodcast at gmail.com. And we are also on Twitter, Death by Stereo Podcast. You can add us. Um, or we are on Facebook, but not really active on Facebook. Um, you can like our page if you'd like. If you want to, you will still check it if you communicate with us on there, but we don't often make posts as much. I've been using the Twitter more. We should, I mean, I should start making more Facebook posts. It's just, um, you should get on the Twitter, man. I know. We can I, both tweet. That's true. When I when I uh, tweet, like I put my name at the end, so they know like who's oh, okay. Um, like a tag essentially. So that that's I did that. I started doing that because if you and RJ like logged in and started doing tweets, like you could do that as well, and then they would know like who's communicating okay. with them. I'll have to find my Twitter login information because I never use it anymore. So well, I'll no, just use uh just use the one that's for that page. Okay, can do. All right, well, um, thanks again for hanging out with us. Um, We appreciate it, and we will catch you next month for episode 21. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yep. Merry Christmas. Bye.